of assembling with brothers and sisters in Christ for the study of your precious word. None of us can live by bread alone. Faith comes to us from hearing the word of God. We need faith, Father, to follow you in these times when the enemy goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We realize we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the ruler of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Like Jesus, we must have your word abiding in us if we must win in these conflicts. Let your word sink deep into our hearts and our spirits as we listen. May we build up ourselves in the faith, strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. We must not fail in the day of adversity. We are depending on you, Father, to continually pour your divine strength into us. Give us the capacity to receive that strength that you are so willing to give. So your word will be fulfilled in us at all times. In all these adversities, we are more than conquerors, Lord. Victory in temptations, deliverance from guilt and shame, wisdom in the face of complex situations. Father, we depend on you in all the affairs of this life, and we ask you to lead, to take control, and grant us victory again and again. And now, for those among us who are in any form of trouble and difficulty, oh Lord, we ask you to correct every disorder in their life, in their body, fix any area of discomfort and discord, make this your child completely whole, causing every ailment to vanish and to be replaced with perfect health, wholeness, and soundness and good order. You are our maker. You are our healer. Nothing, Lord, is too hard for you to do. Nothing is impossible with you. Let everyone experience a supernatural touch from your hand in this hour. A touch that makes a huge difference in their life, in their outlook, in their body. We thank you, dear Father, for ministering to the brokenhearted, the heavy-hearted, the ones in mourning, 
This one who is faced with anxiety, worry, and negative expectations, turn the tide around, O Lord. Let mourning turn to joy and gladness. Let sadness be replaced with peace and joy. Turn things around for thee. Turn things around for this, for the better, for those who are in trouble today. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, that these clouds will now roll away, that this raging storm will hear your voice saying, Peace, be still, that these howling winds be now calm, Father. We come to you for rest, for comfort, for shelter. We now take from you all we have need of, and we give you praise and thanks. The sick, your healing, Lord. The lame, your causing to walk now. The blind, the deaf, the dumb, the crippled. You're adding your strength to theirs and giving them a miraculous transformation for your praise, honor, and glory. Thank you for the tide that is flowing in, the tide of healing. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the wave of deliverance that is flowing through this congregation. Thank you for the storm of blessing that is being now poured out upon this home, upon this individual, Lord, for every person within the sound of this voice, within the stretch of all our faith, deliver them, set them free, and grant a mighty victory to them. Because of your promises, we have come in faith. Because you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, we have come with great expectation. This, there is no disappointment with you. You make all things to work together for good to those who love you and to those who are called according to your purpose. We are here in faith, Lord. We cling to you in faith, holding on to your precious word. We thank you for meeting our needs in answer to our prayers, for we are asking these things in the great and mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our personal Savior, in Jesus' name and through his precious blood, and all of God's people say, Amen. The scripture passage we will be looking at is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord 
and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You will notice how many times in those words, in those verses 22 to 24, there is reference to the law of Moses. Because in these days, or rather in those days, and in those times, the law was the ruling principle that guided the people of God. But we must always bear in mind, when we study the scriptures, we should bear in mind what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We are made to understand scripture by the use of the scriptures themselves. The Bible is capable of explaining itself and defending itself. It doesn't need anyone to defend it. God breathed into the writers of the 66 books of the Bible. He breathed into the 40 plus writers the thoughts and the ideas in his own mind, God's own mind, with the intent that we might know and understand divine plan. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of men, Psalms 103 and verse number 7. He revealed his intentions to Moses as he showed the Israelites what he would and could do. Behind the 613 Old Testament prohibitions and directives, the Old Testament saints had to follow. There was a purpose, an ultimate purpose, an idea, a plan that God had in his own mind. Moses communicated the idea without having the fullest revelation of those ideas. He spoke as he was led by God the Father. He declared what God told him to say. There is something recognized in Christian or biblical circles called progressive revelation. Something called progressive revelation. Any growing believer knows that when he or she first came to Christ, there were many truths he or she did not know. They were not aware that such truths existed. But as they progressed in their walk in Christ, 
they began to become aware of such glorious truths that blessed their hearts and caused them to rejoice over and over again. So with the Old Testament and the New Testament, certain truths were concealed in Old Testament times. Now, in New Testament times, that which was concealed is now revealed. There is something known as the fullness of time. It is that time when we are mature enough to receive, to understand, and to value such knowledge or information as God would release to us. New Testament truths are contained in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament truths are explained in the New. To put it in a concise way, it will go like this. The New is in the Old contained. The Old is in the New explained. The New is in the Old concealed, while the Old is in the New revealed. God made known his ways to Moses. And today, in fact, in New Testament times, we're seeing how what was handed to Moses as a, pa a sealed package is now unfolding and opening up before our very eyes. The truths of the Old Testament are made clear to us in these times. On the road to Emmaus, for example, in Luke 24, the resurrected Lord from the Old Testament expounded to the two disciples on that road the things concerning himself. He revealed what was concealed about him in the Old Testament. The law, the ordinances, the incidents, the events, of the Old Testament, all were designed to point to the Christ who then was to come. Those were types and shadows of the one coming as the redeemer of lost mankind. The lifting up of a serpent in the of brass, for example, upon a pole in the wilderness bringing healing to those who were bitten by serpents. That was a symbol of the work Christ would do for man and for women, tainted by the venom of sin. We read in the third John, third gospel, third chapter of the gospel of John, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John chapter 3 and verse number 14. And the Old Testament reference is Numbers chapter 21 and verse number 9. So you see, the lifting up of Jesus on the cross of Calvary was 
a fulfillment of what Moses saw in uh, practice by the lifting up of a brazen serpent upon a pole in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ was the message intended by God to be communicated to the children of Israel in the wilderness back in those days. But they could not see it because Christ has not, had not yet come. For another example is the manna that God supplied to Israel during the 40-year journey through the wilderness. The manna he supplied on a daily basis was a type of Christ, the bread of life whose power, grace, and strength fed or feeds us every day, yea, every moment, yes, in our journey from earth to heaven, we will be sustained by the one who said, I am the bread of life, he that eateth of me, shall never hunger. He that drinketh of me shall never thirst. He is our manna. He is our bread. He is our sustaining substance, not only day by day, but moment by moment. The entire Old Testament was intended to show us by signs, symbols, and examples and pictures intended to show us the, the shadow or type of the Savior who was to come, in fact, who has come and is preparing to come again. The Old Testament was really pointing to Christ all through the law. And why are we on this subject, you ask? Because here in Luke chapter 2, we see that the infant son of Mary was subject to the requirements of the Old Testament law. Mary had to be in the proper spiritual condition for her to be able to bring the child and present him to the Lord in uh, dedication. The law demanded such. He who was to redeem us, that is Jesus, he who was to redeem us from the curse of the law was at his coming made subject to the same law from which he was to deliver us. This was God's way of demonstrating his divine plan. He was made subject, that is, Jesus was made subject to the very laws from, it, from which he would subsequently free the people who believe in him. The law was given by Moses, we remind you, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He delivered us from the weight, the burden, and the strain of those laws so that we might live, move, and operate in the liberty of faith and the power 
of the Holy Spirit, no longer obligated to live by those string of laws, but by a new law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Paul says, has made us free from the law of sin and of death. Romans 8 and 2. The law has its limitations, or had its limitations, because the weakness of human nature and the weakness of the flesh. In a way, nothing was wrong with the law. The law was good, but man in his sinful nature could not upkeep or keep up with that law. Man was too weak. He was too sinful. And because of his sinful nature, sin took a hold of that sinful nature and caused him to break the law and abuse the law at all times. Man needed something else to strengthen him so that he could keep the law of God. So in Christ, God did a new thing. He put the Spirit of Christ in us, thereby empowering us to walk in God's statutes and keep God's commandments and do them. This is the Spirit of Christ. This is the Spirit Christ has put in us who believe on Him. He gave us the power to become sons and daughters of God. Christ won a huge victory for us when he kept true to his Father's will. It did him good, and it has done us good. He was highly exalted, and because of it, God gave him a name which is above Every name, that at the name of Jesus, every name must bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. The obedience of Jesus did good for us, for we were freed from the curse of the law. If righteousness came by the keeping of the law, Paul says in Galatians 2 and 21, then Christ would have died, but in vain. We are declaring to you today that in Jesus Christ, your salvation and your redemption has been made complete. Christ undid the tyranny of the law. Christ removed the burden of the law, so that we we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. Grace is the new order of God's doing. You need no one else. You need nothing else. Christ alone is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him. He's able to save them 
absolutely and completely. It is not Christ and, it is Christ alone. He made, he needs rather nothing else. Simple faith will do all that is necessary to bring us into favor with our Heavenly Father. We have said all of this to let you know you need not strive to live by fighting to keep the Old Testament laws. In Christ, all those laws are fulfilled. You are trusting in Him. Then you're keeping the laws required by the Father. Let me say that again. Once you are trusting in Christ, you are fulfilling all the laws that the Father would ever require of mortals in this day and time. Back in Luke chapter 2 and verse 21, we noted that the Christ child was circumcised on the eighth day in keeping with the law of Moses. Leviticus chapter 12 and verse number 3. In Luke 2 and 22, we read of the purification of the mother, Mary. Back in Leviticus 12, 2 and 4, the mother of a male infant was ceremonially unclean for a period of 40 days after the giving birth to that male child. As such, she could not participate in any religious activity. Let me point out again that the law, the practice of the law under Old Testament dispensation was basically outward actions that needed to be performed by the worshippers. And we noted already that from the Exodus down to the time when John the Baptist announced the coming of the Messiah or announced the Messiah or introduced the Messiah from, from the Exodus to the introduction of the Messiah, there were no less than 613 laws required to be kept by the Jewish people. How could they do this? But God did that or instituted the law so that the people will know that in their own strength, by their own power, they are not able to accomplish anything good and acceptable for God. God had to provide a better way, and that better way was Jesus. Yes, Mary remained or had to remain separated from the uh, any religious activity or religious gathering until those days were accomplished. The dedication of the infant, therefore, had to be held at the end of those days of separation. Read the account in Leviticus chapter 12 and you will see what were the requirements imposed on Mary under the law. 
although Jesus was the Son of God, he was made subject to those laws which he would later fulfill and create another law, and that is the law of grace. Yes, undeserved favor bestowed on all who believed on him. All such would become justified by faith in the sight of God. No longer would the demands of the law, the fulfillment of the law, have sway over the rise and fall of God's people in the sight of God. The, the, the obedience to those laws would no longer have any sway over the people who came to God, but it would be by the mercies of Christ, by the merits of Christ's sacrifice, that that will be will become the deciding factor. Grace will determine whether you stand or fall in the sight of God. And we all need to be under that grace of God. The merits of faith in His blood is what we need to live by in these times. Mary and Joseph were required under Moses' law to offer a sacrifice at the time of the dedication of the infant, a sacrifice either of a lamb or a pair of doves or a pair of young pigeons according to their means, the means of the parents, their financial ability. Could they afford a lamb or two turtle doves or two young pigeons? Whatever they offered was acceptable to God as they would bring their sacrifice with the child to be dedicated to God the Father. The blood of the lamb or the pigeons or the turtle doves, that blood was sufficient under the law. The dedication ceremony for Christ was in full progress when a man by the name of Simeon came into the temple there in Jerusalem. And uh, time would not permit us to talk about this tonight, but we will talk about this, Lord willing, when we meet again for another midweek Bible study. But until then, remember, we are saved not by keeping the law or the laws we are saved by grace. Grace is a gift from God. The law, remember, was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let us walk in the amazing grace of our loving Lord. When God has made it easy for us, we should not go about making it complex. 
complicated. God has made it simple. Like the songwriter says, simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all. It is simple faith. It is as easy as that. God didn't come to make things complicated for us. He came to make the way of salvation simplified. Let us believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Even your salvation is possible. Simply by believing. Let us look to God in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you that you have made things uncomplicated. You have delivered us from the weight and the penalty and the complexity of the law. And you have brought us into the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for making it so simple so that all who believe might receive your salvation. Thank you for these bowing before you whose lives have been changed by the simplicity of your grace. And we pray for those who still have questions about salvation. We pray that you will make it clear to them that if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they too shall be saved. We thank you for everyone in your presence tonight, for the children especially, young children. We ask that you will touch them. If any of them are experiencing any discomfort, any difficulty, any temptation, we pray that you will be with them in a special way. Mighty God, we thank you for this Harvest Time family that you have brought together by your miracle and mighty power. We thank you for the bond of the Holy Spirit that binds us together as one. We thank you for keeping us and bringing us safely through the past years as we have been on this line. Thank you for making all these things possible. And even as we send forth your word, let your presence and power go forth with the word to minister to every single need in every single home and in every single heart. We bless you and thank you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.